Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? I can, loud and clear. Sounding very clear, in fact. Yeah, you sound very clear, actually. Well, this is a good start. <laughs> yeah. Good level, well, we should call it a day there, I reckon. Yeah, I think we're done, really. I suppose yeah. it is the last day uh, on Earth. The last day on Earth, yeah. So that's, that's a job well done. Yeah, you don't get to do your best man speech now. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, you two once sang that they were living like it was the last night on Earth. Well, Hal and I are logging like it's the last night on Earth, because it is, in rapturous, no less. Here is my colleague, Hal Stewart. Thank you, Mr. Stavely, on the S, as you quite rightly say, the final day on Earth. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it will be the final day. Uh, who knows where we could go from here. There are a number of opportunities, I believe, on the moon. Well, I'll tell you what, Sky Sports are devastated that it's on a Saturday because they had the rights to Survival Sunday uh, logged up ages ago, and they were really hoping that this could be the most epic Survival Sunday of all, but uh, <laughs> we may never get well, there. Who knows? Maybe some sort of cataclysmic nuclear fallout. Tomorrow will be Survival Sunday. That's true, yeah. And also, of course, you've got to bear in mind that I'm not sure what time zone heaven is on. But theoretically, it could happen tomorrow and we could have all got our dates wrong. Because you know what the clocks are like these days. Yeah, well, I th I'm just waiting for Harry Redknapp to say we're down to the bare bones. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, yeah, I'm sure he would. And start spending £600 million on a striker in the, in the summer. Well, what we could do is get Peter Crouch to have a little look out and see if he's still alive around the world. Yes, he can, he can, as you know, see, um, at least he can't see sense while playing in the Bernabeu, but he can see everything that's going on uh, around the world. It's kind of like Ed Harris in The Truman Show. He knows pretty much everything, I think, so maybe he'll be able to tell us stuff. Certain, there are things that he won't be able to tell us, though, and I'll tell you what one of those is. Uh, is the identity of one of the many people at the moment who seem to be uh, employing the High Court as their personal marriage counsellors and uh, taking out super injunctions to avoid, you know, at their antics being made public and as, uh, this has been quite an issue on Twitter recently uh, due to a particular case which obviously we can't mention for legal reasons and um, I just wondered what your thoughts on that subject were. Well the perps, as I know they're called in the, the good US of A, yes. are often referred to as CTB in court documents. Yeah, and I was wondering, like, I mean, the thing is, with this particular case, and obviously I'm not going to mention any names and stuff because people all know what we're talking about, but this is, the, this is kind of the point, is that everybody knows uh, who's involved. Obviously, we know one of the parties because she's been identified, but it's kind of common knowledge, I think, who the, who the footballer in question is. And I was trying to think, like, what CTB could stand for because it doesn't seem to ring any obvious bells with um, relating to him in any way. I just, I, I don't know if you know anything about it, do you? Well, Mr. Stavely, start the countdown music. We have the following that CTB could stand for. Okay. In one. Cooper's <laughs> Fire and Rubber Company of uh, North Jersey. Oh, uh, yes, of course. How silly of me. Uh, we've also got the McGraw and Hill California Testing Bureau. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, we've, uh, we've got another few options here. The, uh, the Council Tax Benefits for United Kingdom, that's an acronym there, and uh, also the Corporation of Technique Belgique. A French and Belgium technical corporation. Oh, his his favourite corporation, I understand. Well, whoever he could be. Yeah. Uh, we've also got the uh, Chernobyl Tissue Bank. I'm quite <laughs> on that thing. Wow, I don't think people should be using tissues about Chernobyl. It was a tragedy, not something to get excited about. That's, that's shocking. Well, CTV, obviously, definitely uh, letting the cat out of the bag. Yeah, the, the cat with six legs is out of the bag at Chernobyl. <laughs> so we, we can talk about Chernobyl, can't we? There's no super injunction on that. I don't think you could put a super injunction on a sort of nuclear fallout that the world saw on television. <laughs> no, but it seems to me there's some sort of nuclear fallout about this. I mean, the issue has come up about are people entitled to 
private antics and private lives. And I sort of, um, I fall directly on the fence on this, which is extraordinarily painful and puts an end to my future affairs for sure. Uh, but <laughs> I, I do see the point that I, you know, I don't think people's names should be dragged through the tabloids so long as they're not also using it to get away with things. You know, Mark Bright was tweeting all day about this uh, and all morning about this this morning and saying, you know, are we all, are we all saying that we're not perfect? And, and obviously no, nobody's saying that, I don't think, or if they are, they're obviously uh, slightly foolish. But, you know, I don't, he also said, if you know somebody at work who's having an affair, does anybody blow the whistle on them? And I thought, well, no, that they probably wouldn't because it is their private business. And if they want to do it and, and risk getting caught, then that's all right. But they can't pay a judge to gag the woman in, in you know, in a non-sexual sense, obviously, to um, to keep their identity a secret to avoid getting, you know, caught out with it. And I, I don't like the idea of people refusing to take responsibility for their actions. I think taking a super injunction just by the mere action, it just that's it. The cat's already out. The, the Chernobyl cat is already, you know, hopping out of the bag. Yeah. <laughs> Weeping, looking in every direction at once. Still eyes. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 too late then because you have to tell someone, and you just tell anyone, and rumours start, and people spread things. You know, judges are human, just like the rest of us. But God, people love you. I'll never guess who I in my court today. You well, know, yeah. Just you just it's your boy. Just either keep it quiet or don't do it. Well, that's that's the thing that always sort of I come back to in the end is that you you do have a choice, especially at you know any age above uh, fifteen, and certainly if you were say nearly 40, you would have the uh, maturity, you would hope, to, to make that decision not to do that, um, rather than then having to hide behind it. Because like, like I say, I mean, everybody seems to know uh, the name in question now, and, and to the point where there was apparently a banner been put up at the um, football ground uh, of the club that he plays for that mentions it directly. So in that sense, you think, well, what is the point in, you know, because surely his uh, other half must have heard these rumours too, so I presume they've had some sort of discussion about it, so if, the, if like we say, if the cat is out of the bag, um, what's the point in kind of keeping up this ridiculous facade? Yeah. I well, I, I bet he or she um, thinks it's money wasted. Well, yeah, but then I suppose, uh, you know, when you've um, been a, a footballer for a few years, you probably have a bit of money to waste on these things. Absolutely, you are listening to the Hal and Paul legal log <laughs> as uh, we move swiftly on for, to footballing matters. I think it's only right. Let's do that. Why don't we? Because let's, let's presume for the sake of argument, and I don't wish to offend any uh, religious believers out there, but let's just take a wild stab in the dark that this might not be the last day on Earth, and we might get to see some football tomorrow. It is the last, day. Is the last day on Earth, Mr. Stavey. Someone will come back to you in a few weeks and, and have a go at you. Yes, sir, I imagine I'll be uh, paying for that dearly when the uh, great decision is made. But uh, it's okay because I've taken out a super injunction, so God doesn't know that I said that. Uh, CTB, I, I don't, I don't know what I'd be called. FAT, maybe, um, in my code name. <laughs> could be. Uh, PAT. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I always think Pat is a great name for a lesbian. Oh, <laughs> grand. Well, I, I know a couple of lesbians. There's a couple just outside the door. Actually, I'll let them know. Or your, or your, uh, or your ex-girlfriends, of course. Well, yeah. <laughs> very good. I very good, sir. Very good. Um, <laughs> Who also can't talk about me for legal reasons, uh, but that's a whole different... I thought you took a super injunction out about me mentioning that. Yeah, I did actually, so my lawyers will be on the case. But since it's been all over Twitter, I suppose I'm pretty much caught out there. Anyway, uh, if we talk about... If we, um, if, we put this, uh, if we put this back in the bag, if we uh, re-holster our... Yeah, yeah, if we reholster our weapons, as the uh, footballer said to the uh, Big Brother contestant, what we'll do is uh, get on to football, because it's the last day of the Premiership uh, season tomorrow, and as you know, I bought a Premier League toolbox recently, and there were no hammers in it, but uh, I'm very interested to know who's going to be joining them in the Championship next season. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, I know, sorry. 
Terrible. Well, uh, I've done a few. In fact, last night, the wife and I, on our um, wedding anniversary, uh, we decided oh, yeah, happy anniversary. to do it, by the way. I didn't say that to you, did I? No. Uh, we decided to have a little bit of fun, and we did a Premier League predictor. Um, <laughs> oh, that lucky, lucky girl. And, uh, well, I came up with a very different set of uh, bottom three uh, to, to my wife. Oh, now, okay. She's gone. She's gone, very interestingly, with um, Birmingham and Wigan. Right, okay. Now, I would really like to see Blackburn and Birmingham joining West Ham. Right. That is unlikely, very unlikely. It could happen, but it, it could happen, really. Yeah. I, I think that's what I'd like. What I think is actually going to happen, I really do think Birmingham are going to get, literally, just for the first time, they're going to be in their bottom three, they're going to get sucked into it with, sadly, Blackpool. Yeah, I, f- I fear for Blackpool, obviously, going to Manchester United. and I mean, I know they don't have to win theoretically but realistically they've got to try and get something from the game um, it's going to be difficult for them and it, and it is a shame because that, that match against Bolton last week the 4-3 victory at Bloomfield Road really reminded a lot of people I think about how they played when they first got up to the Premier League and how they sort of you know charmed us all in, in the way that in a patronising way that, that they did you know and they were they were fourth for a little while and um, okay. it was and they were and, the, and it, the same way that when Hull came up as well it wasn't just through pure luck they were playing some good stuff but it just seems to get very, very difficult round about Christmas, whether it's the other teams figure you out or you get nervy or whatever it is. And the slide has been um, unpleasant to watch, to say the least. So I hope that I'd, I'd like to see Blackpool stay out of it. It was, it was an interesting question that they raised on uh, another podcast that I was listening to recently. And they said, who, would, who do you want to see go down? And I sort of feel a little bit um, odd saying that I'd want to see anybody go down because... You know, part, one of the reasons that I think a lot of people would like to see certain clubs go down is because they are not keen on the fans. But as a Newcastle fan, I feel like I can't really throw stones from the glass house of idiot fans. And um, I don't really want to see, in that sense, any club go down, but except Blackburn, probably. And uh, and I would pick Wigan as well, just because, you know, for, for a team that is purportedly a football um, club, they, they're really still a rugby town, and they don't get many crowds in. And I think there are clubs in the Championship who would... You know, appreciate the Premiership more than, than Wigan probably do. That being said, I quite like Roberto Martinez, so I don't know really. I've got a lot of time for Dave Whelan, but go on and give us your three. I've given you mine. Uh, who's actually going to go down? You're getting a bit of a reputation for predictions. Yes, I am. Well, um, I think it's going to be Wigan and Blackpool. So it's going to stay as it is. I'm gonna, it's going to stay as it is. I think. I, I think the potential for it to be um, obviously it's, it's very very tight, and I think that the potential is um, is huge for a for changing around and I think throughout the day it may well change but I think come the final whistle it will be as as they stand there well before our first sting break the only other really contentious issues to be decided are at the top not particularly interesting but I think the most interesting is sixth and fifth and who will finally finish in that fifth place it's between Liverpool and Tottenham what do you reckon well I, I thought it was quite interesting to see a few Spurs fans saying how proud they were of their team for um, beating Liverpool at Anfield and getting into that fifth spot and um I sort of wonder if Liverpool have murked them a little bit by letting them get fifth so they don't have to compete in the Europa League next year. Uh, somebody tweeted me um, that if Liverpool didn't have the distraction of the Europa League, they could win the league, the Premiership. And uh, I put that out on the Facebook group and it seemed to be the over overriding uh, opinion was no, they won't. But that being said, if they've got you know 17 or 18 games less to play next season than somebody like Spurs, they've got a much better chance of at least establishing themselves back in the top four again because the uh, revival under... Kenny, talking about my predictions, um, their form under Kenny Dalglish since he arrived has, has been near championship form, really. Well, I've been predicting uh, with colleagues at work that as soon as Kenny signed, 
the contract. They would drop like a stone. Right. 100% correct at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yes, their win record since then has been absolutely appalling, hasn't it? Yeah. Are you expecting Villa and Liverpool then to be uh, a game that Liverpool maybe don't really turn up for? Well, I think I think it might well be, um, you know, the sort of not quite definition of a dead rubber, but I don't think either of them are going to be particularly looking to play at the highest octane pace. But uh, you never know. I mean, maybe, maybe it would do Liverpool good to be in Europe again, but there is a real kind of stigma arising around the Europa League. And having watched the final last week, I'm not entirely surprised that clubs don't want to be in there because it, it just seems like... Um, in a way that I'm not sure the UEFA Cup really did, but I mean, we've talked about how awful the Europa League is before, but it seems to be a bit of a distraction that clubs could live without, really. Well, I think I'm going with Villa 1, Liverpool 1, and Tottenham 2, Birmingham 1. I think that's a pretty accurate and pretty understandable prediction. I would, uh, I would back you up on that, for sure. Mr. Stavely will take a sting break, and when we return, I think one of the most interesting things to talk about is AFC Wimbledon against Luton Town. Hi, I'm Colin Cooper, and you're listening to the Hal and Paul Football Log. The Hal and Paul Football Log featuring Hal, uh, that's me. If you've actually only just listened for the first time, we don't want to assume that people know who each of us are. We didn't really, so I'll call you Mr. Stavely all the time. I should stop doing that, because I've never really said your first name. I'm Hal, and this other one. Uh, hi, I'm Paul, and yeah, I get a lot of Mr. Stavely in my day job, um, so if we could just, uh, yeah, I could stick to Paul, that's fine. Although people, keep, people are still telling me that we sound the same, and uh, it's just not, it's simply not true. It's not true. I, I've never heard anything more ridiculous. What might be better, actually, I was watching a bit of Soccer AM, uh, we could maybe replace you with J.J. Akotcha. What do you think? <laughs> well, I, I think that would certainly uh, solve the voice problem. And indeed, if we're ever out in public, the looks problem, although you're the one with the looks problem, ha obviously, in public. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. And Yeah, I, I don't know, really. Yeah, replace me all you want, but um, what does J.J. Akotcha know about football? That's my question to you. That's very very good point. Now, uh, AFC Wimbledon play Luton Town talking uh, football. It's today. It's in the conference playoff final. I didn't want it to get forgotten. It's in no. Eastlands. Um, the fact that it's at Eastlands, that might not be a, a too much of a concern when we get on to the other playoffs. I do think there's a problem with them not being at Wembley, but that, that's something for a, a little moment. Um, AFC Wimbledon, it's an incredible meteoric rise. I think the neutral would have to want them to win that game. What do you think? I think so. I mean, it's been, what, I think is it six promotions in the last ten years or something? They've, they've risen. I mean, it's been, like you say, a, a, an incredible rise, really. And they could be, theoretically, they could be just one division below MK Dons um, if, if they win this. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the, especially the neutrals who remember um, the crazy gang days and stuff, and the name Wimbledon kind of gets associated with the plucky underdogs that everybody kind of liked in a, in a sort of way. And... Um, yeah, I think I think a lot of people will be will be on their side. Obviously, that won't bother Luton fans particularly, but um, I think for this one, the, the neutral, like you say, is going to fall on the side of uh, AFC Wimbledon. Isn't it a shame that uh, you might remember John Main, someone we spoke about a while ago on the football log when he mm. was linked with Wolves? He, he spagged sixty-four goals in less than a hundred starts for, yeah. for for the Dons, as we're still going to call them. And uh, <laughs> it's a real shame that he's actually not really featured this season. He knows his time is up. Uh, he's been told by uh, Terry Brown that that's pretty much it. Uh, he sort of had a loan spell at, I think it was Dartford. And this is a player that's come from Tunbridge Angels. He really has had a sort of rise right through the non-league. He got his opportunity. I think he had trials at Norwich and Wolves. And now it just seems that it was just too much of a step up last season. And who knows, he'll probably drift back down. It's a real shame because he could have been one of those goal-scoring late developers that then burst onto the scene. Now, I think we'll just keep an eye on John Banks. It might not be the last we've heard of him, even if it won't be next season with AFC Wimbledon. I think we should, and it's, it's, it just shows, I mean, you know, I, I talk about this a lot with, with um, 
people at work. Cause there's a few. There's a few of the the lads I teach who are who have been looked at by the football clubs, uh, and in fact, one of them has just signed uh, a contract with Sunderland. Um, yeah, a professional contract with Sunderland. So he's obviously like you know at the top of his tree for that. But you know, it. I think they sort of equate because they see footballers in the Premiership, they think it must be easy to make it. You know, and, and it just. It's, it, the the rise people have to go through. I mean, you look at somebody like John May, and and you look at the record Charlie he's got. Other one. Yeah, I mean, even you go back and we were. When was the last time? You, if you go back, when was the last time somebody made it? Apart from Ian Wright, who came up, you know, and, and was a late developer, like you say, it's an extraordinary, extraordinarily difficult thing to um, to achieve. I think, and uh, there are so many levels of professional football that there'll be people, you know, who are young nowadays who might look at somebody whose career like John Main, they might say, oh, well, you know, he maybe wasn't good enough for the big time, but they wouldn't appreciate how good he must have been to get where he got, you know. So I think it's something that, just because he it may have been a, big, a bit of a step up, doesn't mean that uh, we shouldn't, you know, admire what he has achieved, I think. Absolutely, yeah. We've also, we, we, we were told quite a lot that we don't talk enough about uh, Scottish football, so... Uh, I think we do. Well, done to, uh, well, you think we do? You think we talk just about enough? <laughs> yeah, I really do. Well, uh, Northern to Rangers or Celtic, whichever one won the final. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and uh, also, Motherwell versus Celtic, that's that's going on today. Uh, so I think predictions then for AFC Wimbledon Luton and Motherwell Celtic, what do you, what do you reckon? Well, um, obviously if Rangers or Celtic are playing another team that isn't Rangers or Celtic, it's going to be about 4-0 four, four is the average, I think, is it? Yeah, well, you know, Motherwell's manager is Stuart McCall, and a lot of Sheffield United fans will be rooting for Motherwell. Interestingly as well, John Sutton, Chris Sutton's uh, younger brother, is the striker for Motherwell up against, oh, right. of course, Chris's old team Celtic. So there's a little bit of intrigue there, maybe for the neutral. Well, of course, as well, Celtic's season is done and dusted. They, the Rangers have won the league now, so and they can't. They're, they're several points clear of Hearts in third. So maybe they will. Um, you know, they play a lot of games in Scotland. Obviously, they play each other seven or eight times in a season, and, and maybe they will. Uh, you know, maybe they will be caught, caught napping. Wasn't it Motherwell that we watched at St Johnston that time? That was correct. Because that was that was a. I mean, wow! That was that certainly was a game, yeah. Wow. In that case, uh, so you might win nine nil. I don't know. You're, you're going with nine nil. Uh, AFC Wimbledon against Luton. What do you reckon? Well, I was going to go with nine nil again, but I think that might be a little bit more um, ambitious. So I'm going to. I don't really know in terms of head versus heart, but I think because I want um, because it'd be a great story for AFC Wimbledon, I'm going to say that they will win two goals, two one. It's, it's difficult for me because uh, good friend Kingsley Black, of course, is my yeah. charity name. Former log friend as well. Uh, he's a big Luton man, uh, so that, that's difficult. I know he'll be going uh, to the game and really wanting his old team to win that. So I, I'm probably going to sit on the fence, say a draw, a bit Lee Dixon style, or okay. Mount City uh, Stoke, and then say who knows what will happen in extra time and penalties. Indeed. Well, uh, you know, it's one of those where you sort of think, well, let's just hope the football's the winner, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Football was certainly the winner with the playoffs. Yeah. Really exciting. Uh, although, one thing I think we have to look at is poor Shrewsbury and Shrewsbury Town. Uh, just when you thought it wasn't possible for another team to hate Gareth Ainsworth, he goes and tries <laughs> an entire team of League One football. Uh, for those yeah. who don't know, Shrewsbury played Wickham Wanderers in the regular season. The match finished one all, but it should have finished 1-0 to the Shrews as Gareth, which comes up as uh, Farnsworth with his surname on predictor text, but as Gareth Ainsworth, uh, had a header which never crossed the line, given... Yeah. Now, it, it wasn't as blatant as Man United's opener against the Blades in the Youth Cup final uh, first leg last week, which was pretty bad, and I don't really want to get started on that cantankerous decision, Yeah, because uh, I was apoplectic at the time. In other words, it also means things that you're annoyed. Um, <laughs> but it was, it, was pretty, it was pretty bad. If you do get a chance to see it on I, YouTube, 
Yeah, I had a look at it, and somebody said, uh, I heard somebody saying on another podcast that um, goal line technology wouldn't have worked because the ball was so far away from the goal line, it wouldn't have been on the shot. Um, which I mean, is he was supposed to do a throw-in, really. <laughs> it's, it's amazing when you see decisions like that. I mean, you know, there are, there are some where you think, obviously, you know, it happens so fast and, and all that, but some of them, you know, obviously the Lampard goal in the World Cup, the to a certain degree, Lampard's goal for Chelsea against Tottenham, although maybe less so because it was a very tight call. The the Roy Carroll um, blunder against Spurs as well, and then this, and then of course the ghost goals. You know, Freddie Sears, I think it was, who hit yeah. the back of the net and it bounced back out, and then there was the one in Watford against who was it that where he gave Reading. Goal. Yeah, Watford against Reading, sorry, and now this one as well. You you've got to think. I mean, that is the basics of your job. I know they have a difficult job, but. I don't know, you've got a question whether that's uh, they're going about it the right way, haven't you? It's happening more and more now, and you know me, I'm not a one to cram with the goal line technology, but for the first time it's involved one of my teams, uh, so now I would quite like to hear it. Hal <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stewart, speaking for football fans the world over, I think. <laughs> I think as soon as Seth Blatter, whoever he supports, I don't know if anyone knows that, actually. Uh, whatever his team. He, support, he supports football, that's for sure. He's, he's a man of the people. <laughs> He'll probably support Brest or something like that. <laughs> And that's probably what I would imagine. Anyway, with the playoff review, moving swiftly on for a super injunction and um, Sepp's case, uh, we've got Chesterfield, Bury and Wickham already promoted from League Two, playing League One football next season. I mean, it's all about League One. Uh, everyone will be saying that next season. I mean, it was all about really? the championship last season, but it's all about League One next season. Uh, you've got the likes of uh, Sheffield United playing in there. So it's going to be all about League One. <laughs> and, uh, who, who is going to join Chesterfield, Bury? And Wickham, and that, of course, what's been played out. We've had uh, Torquay against uh, Shrewsbury. Now, we mentioned how disappointed Shrewsbury would have been not to have gone up automatically, finishing fourth, yeah. as you know, teams automatically promoted there. Uh, they lost 2-0 to Helen Chamberlain's side in the first leg, and a terrible 0-0 last night. I don't know if you watched that game, but I wow, that, that was almost as bad as St. Johnson against Motherwell. Really? Uh, so that says it all, really. Uh, it, was, it was a shame for Steve, uh, Shrewsbury. I really, really felt for them. But Stevenage, they beat Ackington Stanley 2-0 in the first leg, and then 1-0 in the second leg, it would have been a great story for Accrington Stanley, who were favourites for relegation, along with Stevenage, in that division, uh, but they just weren't anywhere near Stevenage's quality, and I can see Stevenage going all the way. Well, it's, um, you know, obviously, Stevenage are a club with, uh, with which I have some fond memories in the FA Cup as a Newcastle fan, um, although not that many, actually, come to think of it, but... Um, and obviously, Accrington Stanley, in terms of my knowledge of them, I genuinely believed that they would they were made up for a milk advert for most of my life, really. So it's only recently that I've really got onto grips with the fact that they're a proper football club because I can't quite take them every, every time I hear the name. And no matter how immature it may be, every time I hear the name, I'm desperate to just put on my best high-pitched Scouse voice and um, do reenact the entire milk advert. But um, well, this is the last day on earth. I don't want to hear that. No, I wouldn't put you through that right now. If anybody would like to hear it, though, please do send us a message, and I will send you your own personal. No, I won't do that. Really. Oh, by the way, Stevenage have changed their name. You know. Yeah, it's not Stevenage Borough anymore, is it? Oh, that's right. It's, I think it's just Stevenage Football Club. Mm. I wonder why they've done that. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's because Borough, towards the end of a, a team's name, it sounds a bit lower league, doesn't it? Maybe they're trying to revamp the whole look. Maybe, yeah. I'm glad. Are there any, are there any, are there any Boroughs in the? Uh, Premiership at the moment? Can't nope. think of any. Middlesbrough were the last one, weren't they? Well, I don't think I'm not counting Middlesbrough. If it was two separate words. Yeah, no. Well, Middlesbrough is not borough. It's bruh. It's Middlesbrough. So yeah. For, for any uneducated smoggies out there, which is damn near all of them, obviously, then that's how you spell Mr. Stavely <laughs> later in the show. Yes. 
just a note as well. Next season, League Two will have uh, Paolo Di Canio gracing its sidelines. Oh, really? Mm, I've yeah, missed taken, this. Yeah. He's taken the Swindon job. Obviously. Link. Lifelong uh, Swindon well, fan. Well, uh, slightly on the left of the country, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. There's no super injunction out about him being a fascist, <laughs> is there? It, uh, that's the opinion there of Mr. Paul Stavely, not of the uh, Alan Paul. Well, you say that, and and it is my opinion, but uh, and I like Paolo Di Canio in a lot of ways. It's difficult to sympathise with some of his more uh, uh, political views, but there is like actual evidence of him doing fascist salutes in games. So yeah, it is my opinion, but I, I would say I've got some pretty decent uh, evidence to back that up with. Well, you can take the man out of Hillsborough. Now, uh, joining already... <laughs> Joining already promoted Brighton and Southampton, we move on, of course, to uh, to League One. I can see Brighton and Southampton doing very well next season. A bit of a shame that Brighton have lost their top scorer, though, uh, Glenn Murray. Well, Brighton came up. Brighton have been up there pretty much all season, haven't they? And they've been looking yeah. very dangerous. So I think Southampton would have been promoted last season had it not been for the points deduction. But uh, yeah. Glenn Murray, just on that, uh, Sorry, yeah. not been able to uh, renew a new contract, apparently wanting a better deal, and uh, Gus Poyet wasn't prepared to offer him what he wanted. So, despite scoring, I think, 22 goals... Uh, last season he's going to move and the chances are what we're hearing is he's going to go to Crystal Palace wow uh, big rivals of course yes uh, so Peterborough beat MK Dons in uh, one of the sides in the playoffs I thought that was one of the best ones 4-3 on aggregate uh, the only playoff which was arguably more exciting for the neutral was Huddersfield against Bournemouth both matches had absolutely everything the Terriers eventually winning on penalties and you've got to say Bournemouth do you think they'd have gone up automatically if they'd kept uh, Eddie Howe. Well, he made a good start, obviously, um, and there was a lot of hype about him early season. But it's the problem is it's quite difficult to gauge how they would have done across the whole season because um, you know it wasn't uh, we didn't really get enough time I think to to gauge that. So yeah, I mean you know you could always say maybe maybe, but I suppose he's made his decision and and obviously he's proved himself to be uh, a pretty handy manager. So perhaps they would have gone straight up, but uh, I suppose we'll never know. Well, Burnley fans might say it was just a little too late that they got him. It was interesting. And Lee Bradbury, the current manager, famously known as Lee Badby, was, was that when he went to Manchester City for 3.5 million? Was that was that when he got that nickname? That rings a bell, yeah. yeah he was a former uh, soldier as well in the army and spotted on a uh, training camp. I know Portsmouth played a match against the army uh, in one of their pre-season training camps, and Lee Bradbury put a hat full uh, past the goalkeeper of Portsmouth at the time. And uh, I think that was Alan Knight. And uh, they, they signed him on the spot. And uh, there's only a few other footballers who've uh, risen from army ranks, the likes of Gary Holt. Uh, but there's actually one that you might remember, Lee Croft. Do you remember his work? I yeah, I, I vaguely remember the name. I'm trying to place him there. Well, well he one. played for Barnsley as well. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, Man City, Barnsley, and uh, one or two of the lower league teams. But he's actually the reverse. He's gone into the forces. Having oh, right. Now. So that's, that's interesting. He joined the RAF. He'll be out in Afghanistan. Uh, very soon. So just to sort of wrap up the, the, the lower league playoffs and the, the situation there, we've got a Stevenage against Torquay on Saturday the 28th of May next weekend, uh, followed by on Sunday the League One playoff final, Huddersfield against Peterborough. Now with those two games, I would personally love to see Stevenage go, but that's only because they're quite close to me now, so I could uh, yeah. go see a game with them. Uh, for League One, I think I'd like you know Huddersfield, that'd be quite nice for them, sort of 
Yorkshire team. And That's the thing. I was going to say they're the last they're the last uh, team before you get to Lancashire. So I'd like to think that they you know were, were up, up and they'd gone up to you know protect our borders a little bit more. I don't, know what, I don't you know what I'm talking about. But oh, I like that. That's good. And uh, yeah, with, with with the uh, championship as well, uh, joining QPR, who are apparently interested in Danny Graham. You might know a bit more about him. Might I? No, you might not. Well, only because he's uh, formerly of Middlesbrough and your good lady being a uh, Middlesbrough fan. She is, yes. Seeing him in action in his, in his youth days. But uh, £2.5 million pound bid was rejected uh, just a couple of days ago that QPR made Watford for Danny Graham. I can't really see that. If that's the sort of thing, I mean, that's very, very much Neil Warnock. When he was with the Blades, he would often sign a player who isn't good enough for the Premiership. Uh, I mean, this is, this is Warnock's eighth promotion, is it, or something? In his, in his uh, his managerial career, um, and you know, I just wonder is I mean, you will know this obviously better, much better than uh, than I will because I don't know anything about the lower leagues because it's sort of like the working class. I know it exists, but I don't really like to think about it too much. And you, you've got this, you know, he's obviously done. He's obviously a good manager, but is he a good manager at that level? And do you think he's not got the stones to to, to hack it in the Premiership? Because obviously he struggled. He had what, one season in the Premiership. Yeah, and you take the promotions with the likes of Notts County, Plymouth. Uh, Huddersfield, Scarborough, they've always been, you know, from maybe what was then the third division to the second division, not the yeah. first division. The Premiership, he's had one season, and he got 38 points. And you look at that now, I mean, 38 points is, is nowhere near enough this season. Um, no. Of, uh, back then it wasn't either, crucially. Uh, <laughs> will he do it this time? <laughs> will he do it this time? Probably not. Uh, because if I think, I thought he might do, and with the kind of money that QPR is bashing about, I think that with their scouting system, they can look a little further afield. Mm. than what? And that was actually the case when, when he was the manager of Sheffield United. We yeah. sort of only signed players from Watford. And maybe he's got a sort of a mental block of anything <laughs> above Watford. I don't know. Seeing as he's a Yorkshireman, I'm very surprised. So is I he, yeah. Danny, uh, he may well prove us wrong. They might come back with a counter-offer. They might sign Danny Graham for maybe £4 million, And he might set the premiership alight. But I would be very, very surprised. You and me both. I, 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 I'm worried. Oh, well, not worried. But I don't think that Warnock will probably last the season because uh, the QPR board doesn't strike me as the most... Um, they're going to be the new West Ham, I think. Um, yeah. You know, with Karen Brady's on The Apprentice every week, slagging people off for their lack of business acumen, uh, while she's simultaneously overseeing perhaps the most disastrous regime in West Ham's recent memory. And, um, it's interesting you say that they'll be the new West Ham, because, of course, they've had a similar thing to the Tevez affair as well. Yes, yeah, of course, and, and got away with... Uh, I'm, I'm glad they got fined such a, a massive amount of money for one of the world's richest clubs. Uh, that 800 grand will really set them back. Maybe, I don't know. Could be could be a whole week of. Uh, I'm actually really glad that they weren't deducted points. I think that we do now have to set the bar in exactly the same place for every team. If you commit this crime, it has to be a fine. Well, I mean, they, they, they would have been deducted point, points if they'd been found guilty of certain charges, wouldn't they? But it, they weren't. The ones they were found guilty of didn't carry a points deduction because a lot of people have been saying, "Oh, it's a fix," and it's all, you know, inside baseball. And obviously, I don't know the exact legal ramifications of it, despite my obvious uh, intimate knowledge of the law. Um, but they've got this thing whereby if I think it was eight or nine charges they were they were charged with and they were only found guilty of three and none of them carried a points deduction so I don't think it probably is a fake I think it's just probably uh, the pun- the punishment that they were due you know yeah and we we of course we play football on the grass and I think QPR over the over the piece was a team that deserved to win that league I think anyone could argue with that and it would have been a real shame Norwich pushed them hard and of course Norwich will join them in the Premier League but who will join them for want of a much better word uh, we've got Reading versus Swansea Championship playoff final 30th of May I've been chipping Reading since the start of the playoffs what do you reckon? well I'm sort of torn again on this one because in terms of actual um, performances I think they're both 
have their merits for the way they've played this season. And Reading's run of form recently has been fantastic. And I think the Reading fans are almost as surprised as anybody else that, that they're in this position, you know. Um, and obviously our uh, favourite goalkeeping listener, Jess Charman, who is um, going to be England's number one, and, and remember you heard it here, maybe second or third. Uh, she's, she's a big Reading fan. And, um, and so obviously, you know, for, for her... Uh, I would like to see them do well. I'm also quite intrigued by the apparent romance, people are telling me, of a Welsh team being in the English League. I don't know whether it's romantic or not, really, but um, personally, I must admit, I was kind of hoping for a Cardiff-Swansea final at Wembley, just so I could see the costs of the policing uh, and running the trains for that one. I think it would have been fairly uh, impressive. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's the sort of match where, you know, the playoff final last year was... was really outstanding game and um, and genuinely enjoyable to watch and I really didn't mind who came up and obviously it was Blackpool in the end and, and that was and that was nice but uh, I would have been just as happy with the other team coming up too that being said Cardiff. Uh, sorry? Cardiff Cardiff yeah the, the you've been happy with, I mean you mentioned the romance of a Welsh team being in the uh, the English league you know my feelings on this yeah, I do you're uh, not keen on it are you? Well, it's just, I think... And people yes. don't like Cardiff at all. No, well, no, it's Swansea as well. It's not about Cardiff and Swansea. It's not about Wrexham. It's about you either have every Welsh team allowed to yeah. play to have the chance of being in the English Premier League, or you have none. And I think it's the same with Irish and Scottish, if you're going to do it like that. You can't just cherry-pick three that you like the names of. I, I do agree with that. I do agree with that. Um, that being said, given that that's the situation that they find themselves in, you know, it would be quite an achievement for a Welsh club to be uh, to be up there. I, I think it's the same as an English club. They've got the exact same advantages and disadvantages. In fact, you argue that Cardiff this season have had even more advantages, having a player like Craig Bellamy paid for free. Yeah. Uh, by, uh, Manchester City paid for them for the whole season, and they still didn't do it. I mean, Dave Jones has got to take a serious long look in the mirror, and also Forrest as well. They've had quite a bit of cash thrown at that team. I know it wasn't this season, but last season, no excuses. Well, I mean, Dave Jones has developed this reputation as a bit of a, as his teams have developed reputations as bottlers, haven't they? And it, the more you look at the record, it, the harder it is to sort of argue with that tag, really. And it's it's difficult to know what causes these things to happen. But I mean, you know, you you probably saw the Cardiff Middlesbrough game, um, where Cardiff just imploded in the first half hour, and it was. I mean, the Middlesbrough fans were were more surprised, I think, than anybody that their team. Could... Reminds you of um, the Birmingham Fulham game last weekend, that that match. In what way? In the way that Birmingham had to beat Fulham. They really needed to put on their best performance of the season. And they limped to a 2-0 yes. defeat. Yeah. And then the same for Cardiff against them. Because it also reminded me, the, the reason I was asking you that was it also reminded me of Liverpool against Fulham, where in, Liverpool scored three goals in 20 minutes. And it just seemed, you know, Fulham's home record, which I know they're not invincible at home, but, they, you know, you think of Craven Cottage as a relatively difficult place to go. And um, well, they just sort well, of capitulated, didn't they? I would say the only difference there is uh, there'd be allegations of drinking with the players on both the Cardiff-Middlesbrough game and the Birmingham-Fulham match. Uh, after both yeah, well, there. the Birmingham one was the uh, the two goalkeepers, wasn't it? And yeah. But apparently they weren't put in trouble because they, the drinking and stuff was only uh, was just six days before the game, I think, and the, the club rules are you're not allowed to drink 48 hours before a game. But it was Ben Foster's wife on Twitter, wasn't it, who was saying and yeah. saying they should celebrate once they're safe, which I think is a pretty uh, sensible way of looking at it, really. You know, you've, you've got a very important job to do for your, for your football club. I think that's it's the time funny, going out. And women sort of uh, having sensible things to say about football. I don't know. <laughs> well, have, you seen, have you seen that um, Alan Smith's ex-girlfriend has hijacked his Twitter account? No, what's that about? Well, she she's changed the name now to Football Banter, spelt wrong, which is irritating to me. Uh, but she, well, I, I don't know whether it's true or not. I think it must be because it, um, 
the Twitter account that it, she took over was Alan Smith, and I think it had been verified, and she hacked it and changed his password, and now she's um, in control of it, and she just tweets all these secrets about Alan Smith and footballers in general, and um, it's pretty funny, really. I mean, it's kind of like a bit kind of pathetic, because it reads a little bit like a, a woman scorned, but as you know, hell, where we'll all be going soon, and the rapture kicks off in about, ooh, what, five, six hours? Um, has no fury like a woman scorned, and it's been quite entertaining reading her thoughts on uh, things, which includes such gems as, I think Alan Smith is shit. Yes, uh, this is the, uh, I've just found it, it's the X at Football Banter. Yeah. Uh, based in Newcastle, so, um, hmm. interesting. Good Love times. I've got 12,000 followers. It's interesting, actually, you're hearing a lot about Twitter at the moment. Uh, yes. Wayne Rooney, have you been reading his uh, comments? Yes, I have, yeah. I, th- I thought it was quite funny, to be honest. I, you know, it was... It was uh, like one of the um, the satire websites that I looked at said young young working class man offers other man out for a fight. You know, it was it was pretty funny. And I think Ferguson, Alex Ferguson, sort of quite famously said, you know, I don't want my players on Twitter. And Ferdinand seemed to be the only one who was allowed a, a pass for that. I don't know why. Um, but at any rate, obviously more and more of them are coming on now. Gary Neville is on there, although I know he's kind of uh, out of contract now. Darren Gibson had a go before he uh, bottled it, like Dave Jones' teams. And now um, Michael Owen and Wayne Rooney are on there as well. And it's, it is, it's kind of interesting meets completely mundane. You know, Wayne Rooney tweets about American Idol, and Gary Neville tweets his song of the day. And I just think there is no earthly way I could care less, except when Man United won the league, they all tweeted really drunkenly about how brilliant it was. And then Gary Neville and Phil Neville are really, really funny um, when they're slagging each other off on Twitter. So in a way, I'm sort of glad they're on there, you know, and I hope Ferguson doesn't, you know, remove them because it'd be quite uh, quite fun to keep reading. When I read Fergie's comments, I thought, never before have I ever seen sort of the inner sanctum of Manchester United look more like an old teacher who's totally out of touch with his pupils. Yeah. You know, just telling them what to do. And I wonder, do they still have respect for Fergie or are they just now so sort of... Is it entrenched success in them? That it really doesn't matter who the manager is. Well, there's, there's an argument to be put forward for that. Or certainly that if they don't, I think they would say, still say they respect him. I think they still would respect him. But you know, he did cave on the Rooney thing um, earlier this season in a way that he hadn't before. You know, with, with selling big names like Beckham and Stam and Van Nistelrooy. You know, but he did cave on Rooney and offered him the new contract. Uh, and and maybe people, maybe they're just pushing their luck and see what they can get away with. And if he says. You know, now you've got to stop. Maybe they'll do that and, and show him the respect, and maybe they won't. You know, you never know. It's, it's waiting to be seen. He was going to retire several, several years ago. Mm. And imagine if he had. We discussed this before, of course, but David O'Leary was the favourite at the time. Yes. Previously going, it, it, what would have happened? Where would Manchester United be now? Would they be playing in the, the league that everyone's talking about next season, League One? Well, I've got, I've got to say, though, that I was watching one of these Sky Sports Premiership years reviews things and it was the year the, the year that Leeds were in the Champions League semi-final and you know for all that people can slag David O'Leary off that was a very very good team and they played some really really good football and you got to remember they were, they were genuine title challenges not just any kind of I think he inherited quite a lot of those youngsters oh yeah already. for sure yeah for sure and, and, and I don't think that necessarily means he would have been a great manager at a club like Manchester United obviously but I watched that as well you heard people like Harry Kiel say that the difference between Graham and O'Leary, because Graham was all about closing down. O'Leary basically let them have freedom, which could, you'd argue, mean he let them do what they wanted. Yeah, and I think the problem with that is it, it does lead to a more entertaining brand of football, but there is fundamentally a case to be made that, like we talked about a few weeks ago, sometimes you have to be able to shut up shop, and it's something they couldn't do against Valencia in the semi-final of the Champions League, and it cost them very dearly, because the that team was... was yeah. It was from that moment onwards where I think 
everything went down downhill. You know, they realised they would never get to those heights again unless they qualified the next season. They made poor purchases, and look where they are now. They did make shocking purchases. I've always, uh, I've probably told this story before, but stop me if you've heard it. The Seth Johnson wages story. Um, which his agent uh, came out with a few years after he joined. He obviously joined Leeds from, from Derby in quite a big money move. And apparently at the negotiation table, he said the agent said to Seth Johnson, he said, right, look, we'll go in at 20000 a week, and, we'll tr- and, and they'll say, you know, say, we'll go in at 25000 a week, and they'll say a bit less, and we'll try and get 20000 a week, right? And we'll try and haggle it down to twenty grand a week. And they went, all right. Peter Ridsdale came in and said, right, our opening offer is grand a week, take it or leave it. You know, and that's the sort of thing that you hear stories like that, and you think, my God, just how? And you know, I know you hear figures like this bandied around all over the place. You know, twenty grand a week, thirty grand a week. But just think, over the course of a five-year contract, the difference that fifteen thousand pounds a week would make—it's astronomical, really. And if you if you're hemorrhaging money like that, and you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm being too harsh on Karen Brady and the uh, and the Sullivan and Gold partnership. Maybe they're doing quite a good job in comparison, isn't it? Yeah, well, we'll look forward to next season and uh, where, wherever Leeds end up. But it's, yes. not, it's not, not about the championship next season. Well, interestingly, um, if I could just uh, change the subject a little bit, we're talking about clubs that have got money to splash around. And we're also talking about Eastlands because obviously one of the playoff finals is there and the other one, the uh, Peterborough-Huddersfield one's at Old Trafford. Do you know the reason for that, why they're not at Wembley? Because you did comment on that earlier. I think it's to do with the Champions League final. It is to do with the Champions League final, yeah. The pitch. You know more about that than me? Yeah, the pitch. This is why the FA Cup final was held early, because the pitch has got to be left unplayed on for two weeks, apparently, uh, before it's ready for the Champions League final. Now, if this. My, you know, I've, I've had issues with Wembley in the past and still do to this day, and the pitch has looked a lot better. It looked great in the FA Cup final, but. If this was a ground where people were playing, you know, two games a week all season, I could understand the needing to give the pitch time, but it's not like Wembley's overused, is it? And I just sort of feel like, do we have to start moving our domestic games around? Like you say, you know, how many times do these teams get into the playoff final? Torquay deserve yeah. their chance at Wembley. And it's not that Eastlands and Old Trafford aren't fantastic stadiums. I'm quite sure they are. I've been to Old Trafford. I'm going to Eastlands... Uh, in a couple of weeks, not although not for a football match, but I'm sure there'll be a wonderful stadium. But, you know, Wembley, if you're going to pretend that it's still got the history it always had, the big name, I think you've got to let the fans have their day there. And, and Can I tell you uh, my story about Eastland? Um, stop me if I yeah, have. Uh, when I went to Eastland to watch uh, Man City against the Blades, I'd been uh, chatting to one of the security guards uh, online before I went, and I don't know how I got in contact with this security guard, but I just did. I think I've seen the tweet something or whatever or it might be before the days of Twitter it might be my space doesn't matter and I went to the game and I saw a security guard wee in the sink at half time <laughs> at Eastwood right. and I went the next day when I got home I went back to the security guard that I didn't know very well and I hadn't seen that security guard and I went to Eastwood but I messaged him online and said this is what I've seen at your stadium um, you know, what do you have to say about that? Mm. And they got back to me within a couple of days saying that they managed to identify the weeing security guard right. uh, through the camera. Well, I don't know, some cameras like going into the toilet. They don't have cameras in the toilet. Um, but they yeah, were able to sack him uh, based on what I'd said. And I actually felt really bad afterwards about that uh, because I think it was due to the fact that the toilets were in quite a state that the sink became more pleasing on the eye. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that was that was my trip to Eastlands and really my only memory of the day. Right, I said that's very interesting. I, I wanted. What's that? I was going to briefly touch on uh, the Champions League final because I'd, I'd like to talk about that in not loads of detail, but enough because I always like talking about Barcelona. But also um, clubs that chuck money around. We're talking about Manchester City paying for Bellamy to be at Cardiff. Uh, apparently, after 
the way this season has gone. Jose Mourinho has fallen out with a player, shock horror news, and the player in question is none other than Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. And apparently they are thinking about selling him in the summer. Now, I would really like to get a Spanish football expert's view on this, but we couldn't get in touch with any in time for the pod. But um, apparently Man City, the only club that would pay 150 million quid plus 300 grand a week in wages. I'm just trying to think whether or not Ronaldo's more important to Real Madrid than Mourinho is. Because after all, he's won the Pachichi this season. He's equaled the all-time goal-scoring record in one season for Madrid. And I know that I've uh, had my things to say about him going missing in big games, which I still think is a criticism that is relevant. But you can't deny that if you've got him in your team, you're going to do well against um, against most teams, let's be honest. I, I would say keep Ronaldo, lose Mourinho. I, I would agree with that. And maybe Mourinho can go to Man City. Well, apparently he's been offered it several times, but uh, I think he's got his eye on United one day. Um, I, I, think, I think he's got his eye on uh, a team in London. I know he's mentioned how much he, he's often said he loved his life in London. I wonder if he could uh, shore Arsenal's defence up. And uh, We talked about this, didn't we, about whether you know, somebody like Mourinho, now that Wenger's kind of established um, a style of play which unfortunately has been... Very pleasing to watch, but not very productive. Maybe Mourinho could add a bit of spine to that team that was needed, but I wouldn't like to see... Adibayor saying that Mourinho would not have lost the League Cup final to Birmingham. Yeah, well, there's probably a lot of truth in that. I mean, you can't argue with his record at uh, managerial level. But uh, I don't know whether Arsenal fans would want to see their team play the way Madrid have played this season, because we, we've talked about Mourinho sacrificing quality for results, and I suppose... You have, in a way, maybe you do have to decide one or the other. I mean, Barcelona no. have managed to do it with both, but not many other teams do, you know. Arsenal fans now are getting to the stage where they will take winning anything. Well, they've got anything. the Emirates Cup coming up. Yeah, they'd probably take Andy Boothroyd and his lump football, <laughs> as long as it's lump of something. I think that's where they're getting to now. Uh, do you have anything else you wanted to discuss in the Champions League final before we move on to uh, European action in general? Just what you thought um, the state of play might be and where you saw the game going, really. Well, I can only see one winner, and I'm sure that's the same as you. I, I can only imagine Barcelona are going to win, but um, I'm quite interested by this theory that Ferguson has, that he, he says he, he's always known what went wrong uh, in the uh, Rome final of 2009, was it, they played each other last or Yeah, 2009. He said he's always known what went wrong, um, and, he's, and, he's, and he wants to, uh, you know, obviously remedy that. But I can't help but feel the only thing that went wrong was that he, a fairly average Man United side by their standards came up against the best team in the world and got their asses handed to them so I'm not entirely sure not that changing this season either I mean he got it wrong when they won it against Bayern Munich he picked the wrong side yeah uh, and he, he changed it towards the end and it sort of sorted itself out but there was still a huge element of luck in there well you've got to say as well I mean when they beat Chelsea you know obviously they beat Chelsea in, in um, 2008 and there was a lot of luck involved there as well you know uh, for all that people say, oh, Cristiano Ronaldo, 42 goals that season, but he did miss his penalty, and if John Terry had kept his footing, they would have lost that too. So but, You know, you th- you've got to be a good side to get that far. I do yeah, have course, yeah. think that he makes the right decisions almost all the way up to the final, and he's got a, a sort of a bit of history here of getting away with it when he's actually on paper not picked his best 11 when it comes to the final of number of competitions, not just Champions yeah. League. Well, I mean, it comes down to this uh, this thing whereby, you know, people say the harder you work, the more lucky you get. And I think Man United are a good example of that. You know, yes, there's no doubt that they've been lucky. But like you say, you can't get to the Champions League final without having a certain modicum of quality about you. And once you're there, you know, obviously sometimes things do come down to luck. But if you'd been a lesser team, then, you know, Chelsea probably would have beaten them easily. Bayern Munich probably would have been 2 or 3 nil up by the time those last two goals went in. 
And when they played Barcelona, they came up against the better side and they didn't have any answers. So maybe Ferguson, this is his chance to show that he can still be a bit of a tactical mastermind because they're going to have to do something because the Barcelona team is not um, significantly weaker than it was uh, the last time they played. So he's going to have to think up something to uh, to contain them. Quite interesting as well, actually, that Barcelona, sort of the last time we'll see them uh, in, a, in a match on telly, I think, um, the, the game where they won it, where they won the league of that draw, mm. uh, that you might remember, PK, who's had a wonderful season, yeah. making an enormous error. Uh, yeah. I, I, yes. Will that be sort of on his mind, do you think? Um, well, maybe. I mean, it's that thing of playing against your old club as well, and, and maybe he'll have a sort of... Sometimes wanting, sometimes wanting it too much can cause you to a bit of a rush of blood to the head. And I don't think PK is immune from that. Although I also think he's got the potential to be a great player. Um, yeah. I think this he's against Levante, wasn't it? Which yeah, was yeah. One or two, and then they've drawn since, of course, against uh, Deportivo. But then judging great players is sometimes difficult to do, especially if you're Paul Merson, because um, he was saying something about PK being the next Beckenbauer, which. I mean, I don't know who am I to say, but uh, it's quite a big claim to make. But he also said, in something that makes me suspect his word might be wrong, that Jose Enrique, who's in the news for wanting to leave Newcastle, apparently, uh, is such a good left-back that he could play comfortably in any team in the world. Mm. Now, I disagree with that. I also disagree with that. I've seen Enrique play uh, quite a lot in the championship, and he probably was the best left-back I saw um, at St. James's in the championship that season, but... That doesn't necessarily mean, and, he, and he's good. I mean, there's no, there's no denying he's a good player. I don't know whether you could say he could play in any team in the world. But sorry, I was just going to say, Merson says he's up there with Ashley Cole um, as you know one of the best fullbacks in world football. Well, it does lead us on nicely to your season's flops and fades. Uh, yeah. I thought we might want to throw out there. It's already been posed on our uh, Facebook page. But uh, for you, for Newcastle, what do you reckon your your season's flop? Well, it's difficult to say, really, because in a lot of ways we've had a very good season and um, it'd be churlish somewhat to point a finger at anybody in particular as having been genuinely terrible. In the same way that the season we went down, it would have been very easy to point several fingers at lots of people. Obviously, I mean, the the fans feel, I think, very let down by Andy Carroll, but that's what it is. And when he was here, he probably would have been our season's favourite. In terms of uh, in terms of flops, we haven't really made any massive name signings. I mean, you'd have to look at James Perch, obviously, as a kind of what a nightmare start to the season he had. But overall, I'd have to say I've been fairly impressed with even Colaccini, who, as you know, I'm no supporter of. I think has had a fairly decent season, and obviously we've had some good games and some bad. But I'd have to say that overall, you know, I think we've been pretty decent this season. It's interesting that we posed this on the uh, Facebook page, and Albert William has said that first season's flop and fade, Van de Vaart for both. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, point. Obviously, he started in fantastic form in the season and really looked like a, a fabulous signing. Um, and he's kind of gone off the boil a little bit, but I think I think he will stay you know, higher up in Spurs' estimation than that. Incidentally, Al, um, if you're listening, and anybody who's on our f- uh, Facebook page, uh, do look out for his replies because they are consistently very, very funny. Um, yeah. They do make me laugh. So... Um, you know, all the best uh, to him. I'm sure he's listening. I don't think he's got a squad number, though, but we'll we'll sort him out with one for another log. And uh, Kevin Simpson has said, Dave, uh, the Leeds has been Max Gradle, been on fire for us this season. I've struggled choosing one Leeds United defender to brand a flop, as they've all been completely uh, not very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, Leeds have had a relatively decent season. Uh, you, well, you we've know. actually helped them out. We signed Neil Collins, and he's been our flop. So that's who I was actually going to say. Sort of a dead heat between Nara and Nosworthy. And Neil Collins, you might have seen uh, 
quite a funny post on the uh, the Blades board, which just yeah. said, Ipswich season already over, and then there's a link to a story <laughs> that Ipswich is signing Naira Nosworthy <laughs> for next season. And, and then for Fave, I think for the Blades, it has to be Matty Loughton. Right, OK. Well, I think... Loughton, we haven't decided how to pronounce that yet. I think controversially up here, um, people would probably pick Joey Barton. And... Um, um, it's it's interesting. I read a very interesting interview with him in the Sunday Times or one of those Sunday newspapers. Um, other ones are uh, available, and he was talking about you know his life and what what he's done and the things he's he's got up to. And it wasn't really a sort of mea culpa. Let's all feel sorry for Joey Barton, but it was an interesting interview. And it's, despite all the controversy that surrounds him, for which I don't think he should be forgiven or um, unharshly judged. But he has been a very, very good player for us this season, and there's there's no getting away from how how much quality he's brought to us on the pitch. And um, Chate Tiote as well, I think, has been signing of the season. He's been absolutely brilliant. In fact, it took him five matches for Newcastle to misplace a pass, which for Newcastle, let me tell you, is fairly impressive going. Well done, Jake. Uh, well, do you want a sting break or moving swiftly on? Well, why don't we move swiftly on? I reckon I could go all day. You probably could. Uh, well done to Ajax, won the league, lost the cup, and that's the Dutch League season review. Uh, we do need to say goodbye to uh, Excelsior and Ve 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 Venlo. You might remember Ve Ve Ve. I do remember They're a champ man favourite, Ve Ve Ve. Well, they're also the, the favourite of young boys uh, all around the world. They're the, they're the team that signed that youngster, that sort of really young lad that uh, we were talking about on the log. Yeah. Um, or, um, how old was he? I can't remember now. He's, he was literally like, he, literally Richard, he was about four, 13, you know, 12 or something. Literally, uh, I think German, there's a German club who just signed a seven-year-old or something because he can kick a ball into a basket. Oh, well, I thought that was very, 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 but maybe. Oh, maybe, uh, maybe. And the Helen Paul research say. log brought to you by. Yeah. Well, we mentioned it on the last log. It yeah, we go back. Just listen to that for God's sake. Stop asking so much of us. But I like this because it goes very, very, very to Wilhelm Tway. So that's the nice. <laughs> Is that actually how you pronounce it, or are you just saying that to make it rhyme? It's pronounced Wilhelm, well, Wilhelm Tway. Wilhelm Tway. As we call it, William Two. William Two, yeah. It wouldn't be such a catchy football club name over here, would it? No, I don't think it would. I don't think Bay 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 would be particularly good. It it, that sort of brings me back to Bayern Munich. I'm, I'm not happy about this Bayern Munich thing. And I, and I know I've mentioned this before, but can I just briefly remind everybody in a quick linguistics lesson, because uh, you know, it's only the weekend, so I like to teach English in my spare time. Are you going to use the word Munchen? Yeah, because Bayern is German for Bavaria, right, which is the area that they're in. So it'd be like Yorkshire. Yeah, the region. So it's like Yorkshire or, or wherever. Um, and Munich is English for München, which is the German. So it should be either Bavaria Munich or Bayern München. It couldn't, it can't really be Bayern Munich, but I guess people kind of go with that anyway. Just irritates me a little bit. Big shout out to Johnny Moustache. <laughs> and then Johnny. The, the La Liga and Serie A, we'll just quickly review that. It's really exciting in La Liga. Not so in, in Serie A, it's pretty much all done there. Well done to uh, AC Milan. And uh, you'll also probably know as well, the, uh, the the bottom three is pretty much shed. Well, Sampdoria, with their funny badge, um, are gone. It's a real shame and a real it surprise. Is. Well, uh, they've had a bit of trouble this season with some match-fixing allegations. And uh, it's all been about dropping the cups as well. I was going to mention this before yes. we moved on. Yeah. Uh, Ajax goalkeeper Martin Skellenberg, who, who's been linked with Manchester United, has a copy of Sergio Busquets. Yeah, you know, dropping the uh, Dutch title trophy. Have you seen the clips of that? I have, yeah. Doesn't, doesn't one of the fans run out and nick a bit of it and try to run back <laughs> into the crowd? Which is yeah. a genius moment, but uh, yeah, you know, people would be, especially a goalkeeper, you'd hope he'd have safer hands than that, really. Very good, yeah. And um, Bayern, Bayern Munich, can we, can we call them that without... Yeah, yeah, go on. 
Uh, Hamlet Altentop has signed for Real Madrid. They've also signed uh, Nuri Sahin, so that's two Turks. Uh, joining Real, I've seen quite a bit of Altentop, as I know you have as well, and mm. I can't see the 28-year-old fitting into the midfield well, of Real. It does seem a little bit of a strange sign. I mean, Altentop scored, uh, it was FIFA's goal of the season, actually, wasn't it? The, the volley for Turkey, and he's he's been on the scene for a long time. He's obviously a very good player, but I, I'm not sure... Where, like you say, where he fits in the in the pattern of. But bear in mind, this is a team that can keep Granero and Kakar on the bench. I'm not sure really where he's going to in the centre, can't you? Yeah, you've probably got you know Xavi Alonso. Yeah, and Sami Kadira. Yeah, but how can you drop Lasana Diara? Well, oh, yeah, true. Season. True. Um, and then you've got to fit in Sahin. You've got to fit in Ozil. Uh, you've got to fit in Altenstop. Uh it, it just doesn't work. I, I mean, maybe this is part of Mourinho's plan to actually not play any strikers if he is going to sell Ronaldo. Uh, they're just going to play, you know, maybe a sort of 3-7 formation. What about Higuain? Uh, you can't really leave him out. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they have got an embarrassment of riches there, which is why a lot of people are saying that in terms of the, the, the chase for the league title, you know, the big issue around Barcelona has always been their squad depth because their first 11 is obviously fantastic. But, you, you know, their entire first-team squad, if you discount the players who are currently out on loan, is only 16 players, the whole first-team squad. And um, outside of that first 11, you know, one of them's Pinto, who's 35 years old and never really been a regular in the side. And there are a lot of other young players who have come on and looked, you know, decent and stuff, but they're not going to compete with Messi and, and uh, Xavi and players like that. Whereas Madrid have got this sort of seemingly endless well of talent. You know, when you've got Higuain, Kaká and, and players like that on the bench, you just think, why don't they just bide their time and wait for Barcelona to run out of steam? Because it's, it's bound to happen if they don't invest soon. Yeah, it really is. But I think they will. And I'm looking forward to actually a bit of transfer activity. In, in yeah. But just wrapping up La Liga, we've got uh, Malaga, who I was sort of saying were down and out. Again, doing well on the predictions there. Yes. Uh, they sitting pretty now above Mallorca. Terrifyingly, Mallorca have needed just one point for so long, and they just haven't been able to get it. They, they were about relegation worries. They were about 11 points off off uh, relegation earlier, weren't they? They just seem to have yeah. sunk. Well, they've, they've got a really tricky game uh, tonight against Atletico Madrid. I am absolutely terrified. It's all going to happen in La Liga. It will all be decided today. It's going to be one of the most exciting ends of the season. We're all talking about what's going on in the Premiership. Mm. But you've got teams right down there. Real Zaragoza on 42 points play Levante at Levante today. Now, Levante have got 45 points. You're looking really here at as many teams, I would say, probably from yeah from Mallorca down. The Mallorca yeah. in 13th place can still join Hercules and Almeria. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's massive. It's one of the most... I mean, Sid Lowe was saying it's one of the most... Um, tightly contested relegation battles in Spanish league history, and in, in a way, I suppose it's good. It is good for the league that there is something to tightly contest because it's kind of like the Scottish league at the top, which is you know one of the two big teams is going to win. The Champions League places are not as interesting, so you know the fact that there's a real genuine uh, intrigue on the last day is, is good, I think, for the league. Although obviously going to be bad for one of the teams. Wasn't it interesting to see Barcelona's only home defeat, um, which was was against Hercules, wasn't it? Mm, yeah team that's been relegated there, and they are definitely down as well. Deportivo La Coruña, no one wants to see those go down. They're a big side who seem to have fallen from grace. Yeah. Uh, Hetafe, they're there and thereabouts sort of every season, and sponsored by Burger King. I don't yeah. think uh, anyone wants to see that sponsor in again next season. I wouldn't <laughs> mind yeah. Well, they uh, don't do... The problem with Getafe is that they don't do the shirt celebration. Because underneath, underneath their shirt, which is we've got Burger King on it, is a picture of the, the king, you know, the Burger King king bod. And if you pull the shirt over your head, a la Ravanelli in 1996... It shows the whole um, face of the king, but nobody ever mm-hmm. celebrates a goal like that. Maybe they don't score enough, I don't know, but uh, it's, a, it's a wasted opportunity. I think for that alone, they deserve to go down. 
I've only scored 15 goals away from home, so not really an advertising ploy worth your money. No, not really. Osasuna, again, perennially down there. Real Sociedad had about one good season in the last 100 years. And um, Mallorca, who no one wants to see go down. I'm sure we'd all agree with that, but it's been their away form that has kept them down there. They are playing at home tonight against seventh place Atletico Madrid, who are still pushing for fifth. So it's really going to be tight, and I think it's going to be very, very exciting. Go down to the wire. Yeah, I really don't want to see Mallorca go down either. Um, I've already had to put up with one of your teams being relegated this season, and that was hard enough for me to take second hand. So I don't know what it would do to you if you're uh, if you're a Spanish um, uh, Corazon went down as well. Yeah. Good, good use of the Spanish word. That was our first football log, you know. Never come between a man and his Corazon. Yes, I do remember. This is now, I think this is now episode 30 or 31, possibly. I'm sure the loggers will be able to tell us if you don't include extra time, which we seem to have. We seem to have run into what would now be classed as extra time, so we will have to wrap it up. Yeah, that's true, actually. Well, it's to touch on, haven't we? What have you got? Well, I'm pretty much out of things to touch on, uh, except your um, favourite, uh, you know, closed season activities to get over the loss of football. Tyrone was tweeting about that this morning, actually. He was <laughs> saying it was weird watching uh, Soccer AM without having a game to go to and asking, is it August yet? Which, sadly, uh, for people who are trying to buy me a birthday present for August, no, it's not. And, um, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do in the summer. No, no tournaments on there, nothing to do, really. No, I've got one or two things going on, as you know about, that I can't unfortunately talk about on the log, but I will talk about when I've returned. Yes, and uh, American football. So uh, you know, I've got that to look forward to. Thank but, you. Uh, one thing we haven't done for a while, but we used to do it regularly, is a word of the day. Yes, indeed. I've got a cracker for you. Oh, good, because I thought you were going to make me think of one like you did the other time. I like doing that. Yeah. Uh, physiognomy. <laughs> physiognomy. Uh, does, does it start with P-H-Y rather than F-I-double-Z? Yes. Oh, it's not as much fun, then. Physiognomy. Well, it's the art of discovering temperament and other characteristic qualities of the mind from the outward appearance, especially by the features of the face. Ah, so, right. uh, so that's quite a good word to use. In conjunction, say, with if you presumed that Wayne Rooney was a bit kind of thick, it might be due to his physiognomy. Or is it your physiognomy that you worked out? Well, yeah, let's use it in a sentence. Okay, so go on. With it. Uh, the busload of nuns had no idea what physiognomy meant. <laughs> Outstanding work, Mr. Stewart. And on that note, I think it's only fair that we spare our listeners any more and uh, possibly call time on this 30th or 31st log. I really ought to know this. Since the last ever point. log is a world of The last ever log, yeah. And we'd just like to say thank you for joining us over the last uh, year and a half. It's been great. And, and personally, mate, you know, we've been best mates now for the best part of, of 12 years. And uh, I'm sorry that we uh, aren't in the same room on our last day on Earth. But for what it's worth, you've been, you know, all right. I wouldn't even make it there if we started driving now. Uh, there's a, <laughs> a shame. There's a few other things we didn't have time for. Uh, have you come up with any of these this week? Uh, which team does Darth Vader probably support? Ooh, very good. Uh, Housewives' top ten favourite cheeses. Interesting. Zebra crossings outside grounds you've been to. Ooh, your top ten concealed system fixtures and fittings. <laughs> <laughs> Why are yours never to do with football? You've got to come up with a football. Um, famous football ukulele players. Oh, that's good. Yeah, How do you trim your grandma's beard while she's sleeping? <laughs> well, I think I can't top that. Uh, and in fact, I'd like you to go into that in a bit of detail off air with me, because I could really do with uh, <laughs> trimming that down for a poor lass. <laughs> the poor no Is that it? Yeah, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> you, should just, you should just cut it there. Yeah. <laughs>